Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome to the show today. Hope wherever you are, you're having a beautiful day. And hey, to those countries around the world, thank you. I saw how some of you have been listening because, of course, this show is replayed uh, 12 hours from now. And to all of you, Japan, Sweden, hello to you. And I want to also send a special shout-out to my hero and champion, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, special greetings to you. And you know, you always hear me talk about Yoshiko, but that's because, first of all, I think the world of her. Number two, she's helping youth with disabilities. And number three, wife of the late Justin Dart, we've got to keep that spirit alive. And we're doing that today. We are doing that with our guest, a young woman who is fabulous a great advocate and community leader, and may I say, a beautiful young woman. She is the Paul Hearn Award winner, Ola Ojiwumi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Joyce, and thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Oh, and, you know, I probably could have said more, but um, we're thrilled to have you. So, Ola, how about if we begin talking about you? I know you had a serious, traumatic, life-changing event that really got you on this road of advocacy. Could you share with our listeners what happened? When I was nine years old, I was unexpectedly diagnosed with a heart condition. I went to a school like field trip slash overnight camp, and I couldn't exactly keep up with the kids. I was running a little slower, and it, it just was an issue for me with my um, legs. And so eventually um, my mother took me to the doctor, and they told me that I had this underlying um, heart condition called um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. So, and a year and a half later, I woke up in a hospital, and they informed me that I was the recipient of a heart and kidney transplant just a few weeks shy of my 12th birthday. So, here I was having my midlife crisis all at the tender, tender age of 11 or 12, and it really taught me that what it means to be disabled and that the new limitations I had physically were not going to define the rest of my life. Um, I wanted to be able to do the same things as all the other kids and achieve the same things as everyone else my age. So though most people would see that as a tragedy, it was really an awakening for me. Wow. Tell me what you thought when you woke up and heard this. I thought my life was going to change forever. I didn't even want to look down at my chest at the uh, transplant scar or really accept this as my new reality. Um, There is a type of depression associated with, you know, receiving a heart transplant or kidney transplant or any organ transplant. It's a joyous occasion, but at that moment you have to accept that you'll be on medication for the rest of your life. And then there's the fear of rejection or organ failure. So with that being said, it was a mix of emotions for me. Right. And I'm sure you were afraid. Very afraid. 
terrified, but I put on a brave face um, because I didn't want to. I didn't want anyone else uh, around me to hurt because I could see the hurt around. You know, even parents, family members, friends. This, this doesn't just affect you. You know, when you become disabled, everyone else around you becomes disabled too. Yeah, isn't that right? Isn't that right? Tell our listeners what you mean by that. So when you have a child with a disability, it affects the siblings, it affects the parents too, because everyone's life has to kind of morph and not necessarily revolve around you, but adapt to you. So I would need additional assistance from my brothers to help me, you know, literally drive me to school because it was too hard for me to walk to the bus stop. Or my mom having to take me to multiple medical appointments. Um, You know, having my family adapt to my needs and having them, um, having them, you know, see what see what it's like to uh, live in the eyes. I live with a person with a disability and see the see the obstacles that I couldn't see. My um, parents, particularly my mother, very much prepared me for a world where there's going to be a bias against you. There are people who aren't going to understand because you're walking, you look like everyone else, and they're not going to view you as disabled. Um, so that type of mental preparation and how it affects the families, it, it has a lasting effect on everyone around you. You know what? That is amazing that your mother prepared you for that because a lot of parents don't realize how it's going to be. You know that? It's really amazing um, that she did that. And you then had another blow after the transplant, correct? Yes. As a result of having an organ transplant, um, I developed a post-transplant cancer in my mid-20s. Um, so I, I uh, started to have issues, you know, with lymphoma, and I did do chemo at Johns Hopkins Hospital and went through a lot um, just to treat that, and it's because the lifelong therapy you're on to, you know, re- to reduce the chances of organ failures, organ failure reduces your immune system and leaves you susceptible to developing cancer. And what happened then? I mean, with the cancer, what happened? As a result, I went through about six weeks of chemo at Johns Hopkins, and I can proudly say I'm a cancer survivor, but we're always in the watch and see phase because this can resurface. But it affects your ability to provide for yourself, your ability to keep a job. And I had a, I had a, wonderful, I have a wonderful employer that understands what workplace flexibility was and really accommodated me during my treatment. And I, I bounced back, and I feel better than ever. Well, you know what, and let me tell you, you should see her. You should see her. She is absolutely beautiful. I mean, you're hearing this, you have no idea what she has overcome and how, as I said, how great she looks. I mean, thank God, too, that you were able to, you know, overcome that. Uh, I, I mean, wow, look what you went through. I have to ask you. First, we have heart and kidney transplant. How old were you then? Eleven. Then we have this rare post-transplant lymphoma. So what gave you the strength first and then the motivation to become an advocate? I really took strength from public service. Um, My doctors 
Oh, well, my cardiologist when I was younger expected me not to live past 20. And so what has given me the courage to fight is really public service and having something to live for. And what I live for is advocacy and activism, particularly for marginalized groups, people of color and people with disabilities. So I have my own small nonprofit organization that I started at around 19 or 20 called Project Ascend. And presently we provide college scholarships to low-income youth and uh, disabled youth. So right now, you know, as the Paul G. Hearn um, Leadership Awardee, the grant money we received um, from the AAPD is, has gone into a college scholarship fund for disabled youth. And they can apply. The, the application is online on www.project-ascend.org. And the application for um, a college scholarship, if you have a disability, is due on June 15th. Um, and disability is a wide range of things. It doesn't mean, you know, you're, you're a wheelchair user or you use crutches or just physical limitations. It can be anything from having um, bipolar disorder, ADHD, autism, anything, any, any, um, anything from paralysis to even having an organ transplant. Um, we're here so we can give young people with disabilities the opportunity to go to college, attend college, stay in college, and realize their power and their worth despite having a disability. Well, you know what? I say great for you, boy. You deserve that award. What is the name of your not-for-profit? Um, the name is Project Ascend. And what would that website be? www.project-ascend.org. So if someone may, wants to make a contribution, how do they do that? Oh, they can also visit our website. Um, you, there is a PayPal button that you can donate to or you can mail us a donation. Um, even, even beyond just uh, financial, financial support, even sharing our application with youth in your community, our young people are even coming out to any of our events, our, our um, fundraising events, are coming to speak with the Young Mentorship Programs Project Project Ascent supports. We don't, you know, just need money. We need we need involvement from parents. We need involvement from caring adults, and we need involvement from youth. So whatever you can do to spread the word about Project Ascend's mission, Project Ascend pro grant programs, and college and Project Ascend's college scholarship programs will be of great help to all of us. Okay, could you give us that website one more time? www.project project-ascend.org and hey before we go to break if you just joined us we are talking to an advocate an activist and a community leader Ola Ojawumi and we are so thrilled to have her with us this is Joyce Bender America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Ola. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, 
Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Oh, my goodness, do we have a superstar today. Ola Ojawumi. Let me tell you what. You know, people, when you talk about the employment of people with disabilities, and sometimes people say to me, oh, you know, we have a very stressful environment, and I say, give me a break. I know people with disabilities that deal with have overcome stress that, like, you would not be able to deal with. And we have one on the phone right now. She is just fabulous. I'm so excited to have her with us. And there is a very prestigious award given in the United States by the American Association of People with Disabilities. And I can tell you, we go through quite a screening process before we choose someone. And one of the two recipients this past year was Ola. And she was there up on stage at the uh, AAPD gala. And I have to ask you, Ola, what did this mean to you? It really meant the world to me. Even being at the event with one of my closest friends and closest support systems, it was just we held each other's hand. And we couldn't believe that I'd made it, made it to that stage and made it this far because um, having health issues is not easy and having to lift yourself out of bed and get motivated to do things when you literally have half or a tenth of the energy of an able-bodied person and you still have to perform at that level or greater um, to achieve success. And so receiving that award from AAPD, it was the biggest honor. I'm so thankful to the board. I'm thankful to AAPD as an organization, but it just felt like a culmination of a lot of the hard work I've put into um, my work in social justice and advocacy. And I'll bet you had no idea what that gala was going to be like when you went up there on stage and saw those hundreds of people. It was kind of scary and kind of nervous, but uh, it was really enjoyable. To oh, see you couldn't tell you, tell you were nervous. And, folks, just so you know, Senator Elizabeth Dole was there, 
Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi, the author of the ADA, Tony Coelho. Um, I mean, this was really, this is really a big, big deal. And all I'm so happy you received this award and that you are known now as a Paul Hearn Award winner. Would you tell our listeners again what you're going to do with the, with the uh, money from the, being the award winner? Perfect. So we received a $10,000 grant as an organization um, through the award program. So we've established um, another scholarship program for young people with disabilities. The application is out. So we we will be distributing five $1,000 scholarships to uh, uh, young people with disabilities who are attending college and high school seniors with disabilities. And the application is online. It's been available since, since March. And the application is due on June 15th, and you can download the application on www.project-ascend.org. So if you know a worthy student uh, with a disability who's worked hard, not only in school but in, in, the, um, in the realm of advocacy, or has really made a difference in their community, please direct them to our website to apply for this uh, college scholarship. Last year, our college scholarship award winners um, were able to visit the White House um, and meet with a disability rights champion and icon, Maria Town, who was the associate director of the Office of Public Engagement at the White House and the disability liaison at the White House to President Obama. So our um, college scholarship program is more than just writing a check. We really want to introduce young uh, disabled leaders in America to other um, other disability leaders in public policy so we can all make a change and influence um, the world to be a better place in terms of employment, academia, and um, in our personal lives too. So you have confidence as a person with a disability. Um, to continue to proceed with college and continue to know that the struggle is not just yours, but that of people around you and that you can pass the torch to other young people with disabilities, too. Oh, that is just wonderful. And once again, they go to the website to download that application, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, now, I mean, I don't know. i got to tell you, listeners, she, Ola, has had internships at the White House. She was also had an internship with House Minority Leader Pelosi. She has been on CNN. She had an internship um, with so many people. And, and she, I'm not kidding, she's in magazines, she's in the media, she's everywhere. When you are interviewed or speak somewhere and you get to talk about that award, what is your platform? You know, like Clinton Global Initiative, they praised you, MTV, Huffington Post. And as I said, you've had internships at the White House. What, what is your platform? When you're interviewed, what is your platform? Oh, my platform is not just me, but we. So I'm one representative of the disabled community, but there are millions of me. And that there, there are millions of young people like me that don't get the opportunity to be on, be on a microphone um, in front of a news camera or even on a radio interview like this that, that get to talk about their experiences, you know, feeling discriminated against and being discriminated against and how we um, need to open our own voices and, and, and share our stories with the world so people know how, um, how we, we live 
um, in a world that's not built to uh, accommodate us and that has been resistant to our equality. So it's not just me, it's we. When I talk about this award, it's not about you know, the work that I've done in the past, it's about the work that we can enable other young people to do um, and bringing, bringing a next generation of uh, disabled leaders to the forefront. I'm, I'm only 26 years old, so when I talk about young people as the next generation, it's pretty much people, you know, my age. But I, re I recognize that I'm one of many and that not everyone's going to get the opportunity to speak. And I have to speak not just for me and my experiences, but for the other young women of color and young people with disabilities that don't have a platform to stand on or roll on or, or, or what have you. And there are so many of those, aren't there? Yes. It's far too many. Um, in, in these movements, for um, social justice, there's often uh, a term you called intersectionality or even allyhood. And in all of these circles of um, gender, um, gender rights, gender justice, you know, LGBT rights, um, rights for people of color, all of the, and within all of these movements, people with disabilities are unfortunately missing and underrepresented. And so it, it goes beyond just having a presence in the disability rights movement. In order to have our message spread to the world, we have to branch out and work with these groups and not wait for them to come, us, but come to us but force our way there. So we let the world know what, what issues we have. Even things, even, I recently wrote an article for Jopwell about, <laughs> about um, my career and about how I, I channel my inner Beyonce in a sense, to, uh, to, you know, kind of get through a lot of the tumultuous issues you go through and problems you go through as an employee with a disability. And within this article, I break down using Beyonce lyrics how employers, um, how employers kind of create barriers for people with disabilities in the workforce and how they can open up opportunities to people with disabilities. Um, so even doing things like writing and blogging other young people can do to get their voices heard. The article is, is really amusing. So one of um, Beyonce's most famous songs recently is Don't Hurt Yourself on the Lemonade album. And in the article I wrote, I wrote employers, you literally are hurting yourself when you refuse to employ people with disabilities because some of the greatest minds um, are located in, in, the, in the bodies of people with disabilities. But because you're judging the outside or, or have preconceived notions about their abilities, uh, you're blocking yourself from success. You're hurting yourself by hurting us. Yes, because you're losing great talent that, as you just said, could help the company uh, you know, be more profitable. I always say, remember, it's about paychecks, not pity. It's about right. return on investment. It's a business productivity advantage for you. It is not charity. And Ola is so right. What she's saying, I think about Stephen Hawking's, and I think, come on. Here's a man with an extremely significant disability who is one of the smartest people in the world. You know, Franklin Roosevelt felt lived with polio. I could go on forever, but my point is you are losing out, just as Ola said. And Ola, I wanted to ask you, um, when you were talking about accommodations, Sometimes, you know, an employer can make it difficult. Uh, what was it like for you? You were talking about it worked out well for you. I mean, what, what were the accommodations provided? 
Oh, um, um, throughout my career, things like telework, um, accommodations, uh, a lot of employers think are expensive, and the average accommodation, on average, they're less than $500. Or you can make things, you can make accommodations that are free of charge. So being able to work from home, I have flexible work hours so I could go to chemo and come back and get on my computer. I work different hours in the days um, besides being chained to a, t- a desk for a nine to five. It's one of the ways that I received accommodations. And uh, accommodations are often misperceived as special treatment. Uh, what if I do this um, for you? You know, how will others react in the office? Or I don't want to set precedent. And that's the wrong attitude for employers to have. Um, accommodations can range from even, you know, assisted or adaptive equipment in the office. These start, you know, modifications to an office chair. These things are not going to bankrupt your business. And essentially, um, viewing accommodations as some sort of barrier when it's not is what's holding us back and keeping uh, disabled talent from entering the workforce. And I'm, I, I myself cannot sit back and allow this to happen. My career in, in disability advocacy began when I was 15 years old. It started when, um, you know, I was not using a wheelchair at the time, just um, walking, and I had a heart and kidney transplant three years before high school. So I get to this high school, and it's four floors, and I'm struggling to get to class every day. And the, my high school has an elevator. Um, they refused to give me an elevator key because that was the school's policy. I asked the principal. I asked my guidance counselor. No, I would continue. Um, and for the first two years of high school, I passed out um, on my way to the class um, in this four-floor building. So essentially, I took my complaint to the school board. And after a day after writing that email, or maybe three, four days after writing the email, I get called down to the guidance counselor's office, and he says, did you have to call the school board? And they handed me an elevator key, and I was like, whoa. So the system can be, you know, institutionalized ableism can be punctured. The system can change. You know, accommodations can be met at my demands, and if they don't, you know, meet my accommodations, I can go above them. I said, wow, this is the beginning of my career in public policy. So, you know, I ended up, having internships at really prestigious places on the Hill, in the White House, and um, particularly uh, even becoming a public policy fellow at Berkeley all before uh, college graduation. Um, I knew this is what I was meant to do, and I want um, the students that end up in our scholars program, the part of the Send College Scholars program, I want them to have that same faith in themselves and that same motivation that when you advocate for you, you advocate for more than just you because the people behind you, will know who you are, what you've done, and be inspired to follow in your footsteps and never take no for an answer. Um, when I was 16 years old, uh, with my disability, I stood in for three hours with two of my um, childhood friends to see President Obama speak. And I was supporting Hillary at the time. This is, what, 2007? <laughs> so this is before he was President Obama. And I, I said, if he wins, I want to work in his White House. I applied to the White House internship three times and finally got it. Never accept no for an answer. Know that you belong in the room, and don't let the first rejection stop you from living your dream. Wow, great advice. You know what? When I heard that story, 
I'm still furious about the school. I mean, that is unbelievable. That is absolutely unbelievable. But see, the advice that Ola's giving is so important about the not giving up. You can't give up. Don't give up. Because then you're just making it, you're enabling that person to continue doing what they've been doing. So I, I agree. Do not give up under any circumstances. Um, and, you know, look what a difference you made. And any young person listening right now, you can make the same difference. So you had an internship with uh, Congressman Pelosi, and then there she was at the gala. Did you get to talk to her at all? Yes. I mean, I almost dropped my phone when she said my name on stage. I didn't think she remembered me as an intern. I, um, I don't think a lot of people noticed you know, at, at the end of the festivities and things like that, I've literally shed tears because I don't, no one thinks that's going to happen to them, let alone at 26 years old. So it's more than just, you know, I'm this good. No, it's, I can't believe someone like that even said my name or even knew who I was. And Oh, I remember that. And these are the things that I dreamt about as like a, a you know, young little high school teenager. Um, and always remembering to take me out of it. And I, I have a mentee that I work with who's um, a little younger than me and who I'm working with to help um, fund, um, to help, you know, get her into college and whatnot. And she's gotten into a school. And so I look at her and I know it's going to be her next. And I know it's going to be the person she mentors next. So, um, I mean, I think that's the beauty of having female role models like Democratic Leader Pelosi because she was the first to do it, first, um, the first um, speaker, woman Speaker of the House. And then she'll bring other women behind her and continue to open doors for others. So that's what that moment meant to me, just um, shattering the glass ceiling a little bit. And for women of color, particularly black women, we had a concrete ceiling. So it's when that glass is broken for uh, white women, there's also concrete for black women and women of different races, women of color. So always thinking that even glass, even glass and concrete can be broken through. One of my favorite artists is Tupac Shakur, and he talks about a rose that grew from the concrete, a rose without soil. And, you know, that rose that grew from the concrete might have all these scratches you know, and it might not be as perfect as a rose that uh, emerged from the soil, but it's still a beautiful flower. And those scars, those scratches, you know, those are just battle scars from how hard it was to break through. But regardless, you're a rose and you're a flower that's going to break through. Oh, you are so awesome. I knew that probably meant so much to you when she said that. I thought, oh, I bet Ola's like really shocked, but just so happy when she said that but listen everyone we've got to go to break and then we're going to be back again we're talking to ola ojawumi who is the paul hearn award winner and just an awesome person this is joyce bender america's voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com don't go away We'll be right back.
News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Podstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. And I just have to say something. My engineer, Aaron, is just so awesome. He is really, really awesome. He's the engineer with Voice America. So I'm just giving a special shout-out, and I want everyone at Voice America to know what I said, so I figure I'll say it on the radio. But in the meantime, I also want to thank Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, AudioEye, and Covestro for being sponsors of this show. Thank you. You're all awesome. Highmark is the lead sponsor, and that company... Stood behind me from the beginning 21 years ago and has never stopped. So no surprise to me they would be a sponsor on this show. So thank you very much. And Ola, we're so thrilled to have Ola with us today on the show. Ola, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've done so much. And just as we talked about earlier, you have incredible inner strength, even as a child. Um, so either people that lived in the past, people that live now, whomever, you had to have um, a role model or role models. So who would that be? Oh, um, my mom. My mom's one of my role models. Very strong woman. You know, she's an immigrant from West Africa, and she never stopped working. I, when I was younger, my mom had, like, maybe two jobs. And so seeing how hard she worked really inspired me. But then in high school, I met this wonderful, wonderful teacher who ended up becoming my student government teacher. Um, she brought me into the SGA, and she really nurtured me and taught me that I could do whatever I want. She always pushed me to advocate for myself, um, and not just me, a bunch of us in her classes. She would take us to school board meetings and um, 
you know, allow us to testify on national, not national, I'm sorry, local television about the conditions of our schools and, you know, even my own issues as a youngster with a disability. Um, so she taught me how to use my voice and amplify my voice. And she got us involved in local politics, and that was the, the spark. That was the, that's what lit my fire, and that's what made me want to go into this type of work that I'm doing now. See, there you go. You know what I mean? Look at look what she did. Look at the impact. And I had no doubts that your mother was going to factor into this. Um, and I'm sure she is very proud of you. <laughs> very proud of you. And she should be. So kudos to her for, you know, not all parents get it that their child with a significant disability can still be so successful. And, you know, look at all of the worst thing you can do is to hide your child, act like your child can't do anything. Uh, don't do that. Don't do that because it's hard to believe in yourself if your own family does not. And all, all, speaking of role models, I'm sure you meet uh, people with disabilities that do not have that same encouragement that you have had. And when that happens, what do you see? What, what, what problems then do they have? The problems they have is with um, independence um, in terms of thinking they can be on their own um, and thinking they have what it takes to further their education. And, and to me, that's very important it's for, to teach young people with disabilities that no or I can't should never be in their vocabulary. So I've seen it, how it, how it um stunts the growth of young people with disabilities and how it stunts their growth in adulthood, um, this acceptance of inferiority that we cannot accept, that we have to fight against because um, we do have physical limitations um, and whether they be intellectual as well, um, but we can have uh, motivation and it takes more than just one person believing in themselves. It takes, it, I, I'm a firm believer in it takes a village. So usually what, if I do encounter someone like that, I can't be the only person talking to them. We can talk intimately and go to coffee, but I usually elevate that coffee from just meeting with me to later meeting with other women mentors that I have. Um, and so they see that they have not just me behind them, but a tribe, a small and mighty tribe behind them. Yeah. And let me just say to parents listening, if you do that, if you feel I'm going to treat my child where I'm so overprotective and I'm not allowing my child to do very much. What you're really saying is you can't. And let me tell you, and I'm not trying to sound terrible, but you won't always be here. And if you want your child to be able to work and gain employment, that is not going to happen if the person cannot be independent. Um, and speaking of that, Ola, what is your opinion of why there is such a high unemployment for people with disabilities? I think barriers um, in just, I guess, how do I say this, an able-bodied dominated workforce who creates barriers in terms of um, basically blatant discrimination in, in hiring. Um, I can give you an example. You know, with my resume, at, at one point it was three pages long, and it was so. It was even in that state very difficult for me to get interviews. And this is 
it, this is similar to other friends with disabilities that I have that, you know, they had, they had um, great achievements and even longer lists of accomplishments than I did, and getting an interview is so difficult if you don't look the part, and looking the part often um, means, you know, not having physical deformities, being able to walk, being able to... Um, being able to appear as though our past, I would say. So even even I've noticed, um, I've done private social experiments, you know, in which I would go to an interview with my wheelchair, and then I would go into an interview with my just walking. I have, um, I, it's unfortunate, but because I, I, it's unfortunate that I have the option to pass, um, and in that social experiment, I realized I was getting more callbacks because I could hide my disability by, you know, parking my wheelchair in the stairwell and not showing, um, showing people. So I think the biggest barrier is um, an able-bodied workforce and segregation um, in terms of school and in terms of, um, you know, sometimes I, I don't even, I can't even think back to having a class with another person with a disability, an obvious disability in high school, elementary school, or middle school, and even in college. Um, so it's this whole, I've never seen a person with a disability outside of someone, you know, on the street begging. So I, it, it, no matter how educated a person is, they still can't see beyond the, their own bias. Isn't that unbelievable what you found out when you weren't in the wheelchair? Yep. Oh, I agree with you. I do. I believe there's stigma. And I believe people are judged by their appearance. And, and guess what, folks? You do know you have people with disabilities working in companies with hidden disabilities. It's just they aren't going to tell you because they don't want to be discriminated against. So you have obviously, at this young age of 26, look at everything you've done. Unbelievable. Uh, but Ola... What is your proudest accomplishment? Oh, I don't think I even have one. I'm still working towards my goals, so um, I don't. Ha- I don't think I have one in particular. I think with creating Project Ascend and creating my own nonprofit, that's probably my biggest achievement because um, nothing is easy. I will say this: um, trying to get funding, applying for grants when you're twenty uh, something, and um, you know you have to educate yourself on how to, you know, uh, you know, support your own organization. Um, that, to me, was hardest. Like, year after year, getting rejection after rejection, and then finally getting grant funding that could really stabilize the organization in the past two or three years is my proudest accomplishment because I literally had to stick to that, you know, age-old saying that, you know, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep trying, don't give up. Because it's really easy to give up when all you hear is no, all you hear is uh, you can't, and all you hear is, you know, all you see is zero dollars and zero cents. Um, So this organization is my proudest accomplishment because in the years that we've been active, you know, we've, uh, our grant program has extended to Guatemala and has extended to West Africa. And um, our college scholarship initiative, our college scholars program has a, Students at Cornell, GMU, Morgan, Morgan State University, you know, we have achieved um, even a microcosm of the success we really want to achieve. Um, so Project Ascend will always be my proudest accomplishment. And may I ask you, um, Ola, 
how, what is it like in West Africa for people with disabilities? I will say from my knowledge, it is very difficult. Um, things like accessible buses, you know, mandates for, um, mandates through like things like the IDEA, like the, um, and, and the ADA, things like that don't exist. So a lot of people with disabilities are viewed as cursed and rarely leave their homes um, because of mis- misconceptions about disability um, being viewed as a curse. And so I know that if I was um, back home, I would say things would be much more difficult for me. Um, systems like SSBI don't exist. Um, health insurance, things like that don't exist in a lot of, a lot of um a lot of the different parts of the third world, which um, unfortunately is a lot of parts of West Africa. So a lot of the things I have is because I'm an American and because I was born here. So I'm very grateful, you know. Oh, I know. You're right. I, I mean, I know that in Africa and other countries, of course, that are developing countries, it is very hard in many cases just to have a wheelchair. So I... I know you're right when you say that. So, anyway, Ola, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um, my message is look for a caring adult, look for a mentor, and always remember that even if you don't have someone backing you, you are your greatest motivation and you are your greatest, you are your greatest cheerleader. So always cheer for yourself, always believe in yourself, and don't let the world tell you who you are and what you're capable of. Only you know what you're capable of. Wow, what great advice is that. And before we go, Enola, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for being a guest on the show. Uh, loved having you. My question I wanted to ask you one more time, website. Oh, please visit our website at www.project-ascend.org. You heard it. And by the way, folks, if you know someone and you think, oh, my goodness, I wish they had heard this show, remember, they are on archived on BenderConsult.com and at VoiceAmerica.com and can be on a download from iTunes. Well, everyone, we've come to the end of the show. I just want to tell you before we end the show with our quote, Make sure you're here next week to hear Colleen Starkloff, and she will be awesome. The quote for today is, success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome, said Booker T. Washington. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you and Colleen Starkloff next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.